So sometimes you hear the background to the halacha and you're not sure how it applies. We're talking about muktzamach masasar and kiss, something so valuable you wouldn't use it for other things. And examples we give is a, you know, a piece of a plow or a shechita knife. Most people don't have these in their homes. So what in our home would be considered muktzamach masasar and kiss that due to its value it is not used for anything else? And once again, it's important to point out that I need to know if it's muktzamach masasar and kiss because if it's not muktzamach masasar and kiss, and it's a lower level of muksa, for example, we'll talk about cell phones. So there are two ways to view the muksa status of a cell phone. It's definitely, at the very least, it's a keli shemalachter It's definitely something that the typical use is to do a malacha on Shabbos, to, to, uh, to type or to call someone to do some electric movement. Either way, it's definitely awesome in the Rabbanan. So it fits, definitely fits the category of keli shemalachter Now, if I leave it at that, it's just a keli shemalachter So We'll see in the next shear that a person could move a keli shemalachter l'isr. Sometimes you can move it. Let's say if you need it itself. We'll talk about a hammer being used to crack a nut. That's a classic example. Or a mukaymai, you have something on your couch or on your chair or on your table. You need the place, the space. You are allowed to move it if it's only a keli shemalachter However, if it's a higher level muksa of muksa machmas chisar and kiss, not only is it that its typical use is aser, but it's valuable and it's so valuable that I wouldn't use it for something else. I am not allowed to move it so now that I know that, which items do we consider a muktzamach uh, maschisarin kiss? So we'll give some practical examples. Let's say a credit card. For most people, a credit card is something that you would not use for anything else. And that might, that might be muktzamach maschisarin kiss. Uh, blank checks. So when I gave the shear in shul, people were saying some people leave checks lying around the house. Well, other people said, no, they would never leave checks, blank checks around the house. It's something that even if you're not worried about someone stealing your checkbook, it's a hassle to order new ones depending on your bank. You might have to pay more to order new checks. So it's not something you just leave around for no reason. There's a question of smartphones. So... A smartphone, there's, there's other questions of, 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 you know, beyond the muksa. For example, the classic question people ask is if they left it on, on the couch. So that's a question of buses, that does the couch become muksa as well? So that's a whole sheer later on. Another question people ask is, let's say they left their alarm clock on their phone to, to ring Shabbos morning. So there's a few questions. First of all, are you allowed to do that on Shabbos? So I, there's a 12-minute halacha sheer specifically regarding this question. And we came out that, yes, a person could set an alarm to go off on Shabbos. People know that it's set in advance. No one thinks you are playing with your phone on Shabbos. They know that that's the alarm. Should you set it to go off with music or something else? Maybe not. But the regular, typical alarm tones, there's no problem. A person could, in fact, set their alarm to ring on Shabbos. But here, the question is, this person had grand ideas that he's going to wake up Shabbat, early Shabbos morning, 7 a.m., and then morning comes, his alarm is ringing, but he wants to go back to sleep. Or his wife wants to go back to sleep, and she asks him, get rid of this alarm. So the pillows and the towels are not helping. It's still loud. Is he allowed to pick up the phone 
and take it out of the room. So let's assume it's not plugged in, so he's not doing anything like that. Simply taking the phone and taking it out of the room. So when you do that, many phones, there'll be a indicator light or the time, the clock will go off when you pick it up. So that would obviously be off. So you cannot do that on Shabbos because that would be a uh, that would be a psikrish that is happening. Although we could discuss that it's a psikrish delenichle, but I don't want to get into that right away. If you, if it's so noticeable as you're picking it up, the light goes off. So very difficult to be mako on that. There's another question that. People focus on the externals, what you could see, but hey, what's going on inside the phone, there's a uh, accelerometer inside the phone that that could, that could tell if your phone is moving. Additionally, the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and signal strength all change as you move a phone from room to room. So even if you don't see, it doesn't seem like anything's happening on the screen, but if you know what's going on underneath that screen, there's plenty of things going on. So the question is, how are you allowed to move that on Shabbos in the first place? So there's a, there's a good psaac to, to know. This is a, a psaac from Rav Asher Weiss, Shlita, in, his, uh, in, in a lot of his chuvas. You could see this. I also once asked David Feinstein this. I went with Rabbi Reisman to discuss one of the refrigerator tumults over the past few years. So we were there. I don't remember exactly when. It was, it was uh, a few years ago. And we asked him, David, he said the same psak as Rav Shawai said. He said that when something is not near a line, you can't see it. You don't know what's going on. Meaning, even if you know there are things going on, you know, in my refrigerator, but as long as you don't see it from the outside, I'm opening the fridge, I'm closing the fridge, I don't see anything happening. There's no rush of ear. There's no uh, fan going on and off that I could tell. So what you cannot tell that's happening, that's beyond your realm and you do not have to be concerned for it. So one could apply that lambdas to the case of moving a smartphone. This comes up regarding, you know, ring, ring door alarms or people walking through streets that have cameras, security cameras. M- most shuls that you go to have these cameras. So what, what are they relying on? They're relying, you don't know what's going on in the camera. And even if you do, there's what to rely on. But definitely a person doesn't is not aware of those... Uh, technology that he's setting off by walking here, by stopping, by continuing to walk, and therefore we are Mako. So the question is, can a person move a smartphone regarding the muksa? So we figured out the electricity, we figured out about the Maris Ayan that people might think you turned your phone on, but the question will get it down to is as far as Muksa is concerned. So once again, if it's a Kaili Shemalachtalisar, then you are allowed to move in the Tzarek Gufi and Mukami. We'll talk about if it's noisy in a room, can a person take the phone out so that he could sleep? So that called Tzarek Mukami. So that is a topic for one or two shirim from now. But if it's a Muktzamach Meschaser in case it's so valuable, then a person cannot remove the cell phone. You cannot pick it up with your hands on Shabbos. How do we paskin? We paskin that it really depends. Depends on the paiskin and it really depends on the person. So most paiskin, most paiskin would say that it depends on you. You, if you don't mind that your children play with your phone, you throw it around, you're not nervous every time, you know, someone puts their hands on it. So, we will not label this because as Rashi said, it has to be something that you would never use for anything else. But people use their phone for many things. They'll, uh, they'll use it to hold down the papers, the paperweight. If a tablecloth is blowing, they'll put their phone on top of it, you know, to, 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 to keep 
keep uh, the tablecloth on the table, whatever. We can think of different ways. The point is that you're not nervous when someone else is touching it, so it would not be However, if other people really are nervous about their phones, or maybe it's not a cell phone, maybe it's a a laptop, maybe it's a tablet or something that's a little more expensive, or something that is more fragile, so then yes, it would in fact be considered there's another category, let's say you have a heavy keli, which is not so valuable, but you're afraid that when I move it, it will break. Could be you have a bookcase or some bimas and shuls might have this issue. So the Mishnah says, yeah, if it's so heavy that you're afraid it's going to break, that itself is you wouldn't use it, you wouldn't move it because you're afraid it's going to break and therefore you cannot move it on Shabbos. There is a, uh, an interesting discussion. There was a picture of banana art. If anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, go Google it. Banana art that was sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. But it's food. So the question is, can food ever become muksa? Let's say a person has a special reserve. You have your Buffalo Trace or Pappy Van Winkle Collector's Edition, $5,000 bottle of bourbon. Is, could, could that be muksa? As far as the price goes, it's pretty fragile, right? You don't want anyone touching it. But on the other hand, it's food. Do we say food can never be muksa? So there's a parallel discussion by Kisve Kaidesh that Chazal didn't want us to have, to, didn't want muksa to ruin our Arnik Shabbos. So things that we typically need for Shabbos, for example, food, one could perhaps throw in clothing as well. And Kisvei Kaidesh, Taira, they wanted us to learn on the Shabbos, those things will not be muksa. The question is, what if it's really expensive? You have a rear printing of the Chassam Seifer, or I don't know, you have something that is very expensive, a person wouldn't use during the week. Or you have your special reserve food, your banana art, maybe in that case it would be muksa. So this is actually Machoikas found in Achreinim. And uh, there's, there's two ways to understand it. Do we say it's across the board, there will never be muksa on food? Or do we say that, that if you have designated food as muksa, so then it is muksa for you, it is muksa. You're not going to use it on Shabbos. What's the argument? The argument against that is that if a person is stuck, you have no choice, so you'll end up, you'll eat the food, right? The person is stuck on an island, all they have is banana art, they're going to eat the banana. And in fact, the person that bought the art ended up eating. So it's a very strong argument when we're dealing with things that are mutter to use in Shabbos, kisve kaidesh, clothing, or, or um, food, where you're telling me that, that, that I wouldn't touch it on Shabbos, but that use, that, that typical use of eating it I would do it if I need to. And therefore, there's a very strong argument to say that these things would never be muksa, even if they're extremely expensive, extremely fragile. And la halacha, there is what to rely on. If you have banana art and you want to move it on Shabbos, so perhaps you could be makel and move your banana art on Shabbos.